Well, we are wrapping up our series on the Sabbath this week. Um, and thinking about Sabbath got me thinking about a retreat that I got to go on last year. Uh, it was a clergy retreat in New Orleans. What a terrible place for a retreat in the fall. Um, but it was called The Gathering. It was this retreat that was put on by the Pension Fund. Um, the goal of this event, we were told, was to help give the clergy a place where they could rest and recover, as well as connect with other pastors. It was the first real gathering of disciples clergy since pre-pandemic. And so many of us had not seen one another in a while. But the goal of the pension fund, said the president, Todd Adams, is to help clergy once they have retired. But, he asked us, what if they don't make it to retirement? How do we fulfill our mission then? And indeed, the burnout rate among clergy is pretty high at this point. And so I and my colleagues really appreciated the support. We have a denomination that takes this seriously and is doing things about it. And at this gathering, it was two or three days, uh, almost exactly a year ago, there was a, a keynote speaker, Matt Bloom. And Matt Bloom is, uh, was taught in the business school at Notre Dame for a long time. Uh, and he led us through several exercises related to self-care. How do you take care of yourself? And so I can remember learning some lessons about the importance of making connections with folks as friends. You, you, the only relationships you have shouldn't just be your congregants. Y'all are great, but I need people not in this room who I can talk to and hang out with. He talked about picking up a skill that requires development, something that you get better at and how important that is in our well-being. And he talked about the importance of exercise, which we've all heard. Uh, and actually, one of the things that I came away with is that uh, the weekly disc golf league that I play in every Wednesday is actually essential to my health. <laughs> Who knew? And I will tell you, I will often, if you say, are you free Wednesday night? If I say no, sometimes it's just because I need to go play disc golf. But at the end of all of these lectures and these talks that he gave, uh, he said something that has stuck with me. He said, sometimes we place too much emphasis on self-care. And it's something that as we've talked about this Sabbath uh, series, I have thought about a lot. Because he said, you know, all the self-care in the world will not make up for problems in the culture of an organization. If people are mean to one another, if they are disrespectful, if they are harmful, then there is not enough personal, individual self-care that will make up for it. And you can extend that if people are worried about what will happen to them, if they fear for their own well-being, self-care isn't going to overcome that. And this was an interesting insight for me because often when we talk about Sabbath, we talk about it as something that individuals do. Like you need to take a Sabbath. You need to make the room. We, we are called to take time off to set aside time in our own lives for recovery. But you kind of have to ask the question at some point, what if that's not possible? What if people have to work to make ends meet and making ends meet means continually more and more work? 
And so Sabbath is something that calls us to individual rest, but it's also something that calls us to think about our social lives. What keeps us and others from rest beyond our personal choices? What other factors in society prevent folks from resting on the Sabbath? And it turns out that the Bible understands this. In fact, it knows that there are pressures that develop in our collective life together that often need a reboot. Inequality, debt, servitude, things that are often beyond the individual scope. And so with that, let's listen to our scripture for today from the book of Deuteronomy. Every seventh year, you shall grant a remission of debts. And this is the manner of the remission. Every creditor shall remit the claim that is held against a neighbor, not exacting it, because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. If there is among you anyone in need, a member of your community in any of your towns with the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your needy neighbor. You should rather open your hand, willingly lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. Be careful that you do not entertain a mean thought, thinking, well, the seventh year, the year of remission is near, and therefore view your, your needy neighbor with hostility and give nothing. Your neighbor might cry to the Lord against you, and you would incur guilt. Give liberally and be ungrudging when you do so. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy in your land. May God bless this reading. Every seventh year, you shall grant a remission of debts. In other places in scripture, this is referred to as the Sabbath year. It also goes by the name of the year of the Lord's favor, as Jesus says in Luke 4. Or it's called the Jubilee year. It is this reminder to the people that given enough time, things will get out of whack. They won't be the way that they are supposed to be. And so there's this need for a reboot year, a Sabbath year, as though the entire society is expected to rest. Fields are to be left fallow so that the land can recover. And along with this, debts are to be forgiven. Land that has been leased is to be returned to its original holders. Those in bondage or slavery are to be released. It's as though God is saying, I know that your society will tend towards inequality and exploitation. Humans are sinful after all. And so every once in a while, there has to be a reboot, a resetting of the way things are. Otherwise, societies will get stuck in an Egypt-like economy where some have power over the many. Remember back to our first week, that's part of the Sabbath is to remind us that we are not to be like Egypt. But God wants God's people to be aware of the ways in which our collective lives intersect with the needs of individuals. And there are really good lessons here when we think about the Sabbath. That sometimes folks 
aren't able to observe a Sabbath because they don't have the resources. They don't have the money to stop working because they might be living on the edge. And so Sabbath cannot just be about the choice of individuals. It has to be something that has our collective support. So when we think about the Sabbath, the Bible doesn't want us simply to prioritize it in our lives. The testament of scripture is that we are to be aware of the forces that are keeping folks from Sabbath. You know, we talked a few weeks ago briefly about the captivity in Egypt, that they were forced to make more bricks with less straw. That's what the scripture tells us. Can you imagine God going to the Israelites when they're in their captivity in Egypt, being told to make more bricks with less straw and saying, hey, you should take a day off. How do you think that would go over with the uh, Egyptian slave drivers? Not, not very well. First, God had to make right the collective relationships among the people. First, God had to make that their society had a way for folks to recognize and practice Sabbath. And this is one of those lessons that really keeps being important. There are still folks in our society who are in need of rest today, but they are unable to take Sabbath because of the demands that our society puts on them. You know, a few weeks ago, um, some of us attended a documentary showing of the film, The Working Hungry. It was put on by Lafayette Urban Ministries and Food Finders and Bread for the World. Uh, it was this film that, that showed three families living in Indiana who have faced hunger. All of them had jobs, some more tenuous than others. But over the course of the documentary, we discovered just how common hunger is in Indiana even among those who work. 15% of children go hungry in Indiana. One in three families report that food costs keep their kids from eating enough. And most of those kids, well, their parents are employed. Overall, 700,000 Hoosiers are food insecure. One advocate interviewed in the film said this about the problem. If you're working full-time, you should be able to meet your needs. You should be able to pay your rent. You should be able to put food on the table. You should be able to pay for basic things like health care. Um, and if you're working full-time or even working two or three jobs and still not able to do that, there's a problem with what we're paying people in this country. And I looked it up. Uh, MIT has a living wage calculator. So it basically is trying to say, how much do you have to make in a given community to support yourself? Not to have extra, just to get the bare, bare minimum support. And so I looked it up for Lafayette. Uh, an individual needs $16.18 to support themselves. If that individual has a kid, they need a job that pays $31.85 an hour. If they have a partner and one kid, both partners working, it gets a little better. Both partners need to make $17.94. Again, to make the minimum you need to live in our community, rent, healthcare, food. But the film that we watched also talked about the 12 of the 20 most common jobs in Indiana pay less than $18, and nine of those pay less than $15. 
And a couple days ago, I was on the bus. Um, I had this weird week where my car battery died, and then my bike was out of commission for a day, and I, it was just a mess. Uh, but on the bus, there was this sign that I saw that was advertising a custodian position at Purdue, the largest employer in our community, for $13 an hour. And so I think sometimes it can be really difficult for those of us who are well off to understand how difficult it is for some to make ends meet. We don't quite picture what it's like to just not have enough or comprehend what it means that a 12 or $13 job isn't really enough. And folks don't make enough to get by. And I will tell you, as a pastor of a church, I see this uh, all the time. People will come to the church for help. People still come to churches and call and say, can you help me cover my utility bill? Uh, do you have a, we keep Kroger gift cards, not a lot, but a few. And I'm always amazed at the folks who need a Kroger gift card to buy gas, and they tell me that they'll stop by after work. Or we've had folks who say that they need a bill paid and that they will take an extra break from their job to come receive our help. Again, they're folks who are working, who aren't making enough to get by. And of course, wages are complicated issues. There is so much that goes into stagnating wages. The last economics class I took was almost 20 years ago. But these are the problems that fuel the rent and food crises in our communities. And I think this is the thing with Sabbath, just telling people that you need to take a break when their entire lives are spent stressing about basic necessities, about how they're going to feed their children, about how they're gonna pay rent and utilities, you know, just to tell them, hey, you just need a Sabbath. I mean, it would help, but it's very disingenuous to suggest that the answer to their stress and anxiety is just taking some time off. And the Bible knows this. Sabbath requires that we be worried not just about our own personal choices, but about the material needs of our neighbors. You know, God knew that given enough time, Israel would probably create some power imbalances. Some folks would make bad financial decisions. Others would benefit off of predatory lending deals. God knew that humans are humans, just like our society is made up of humans today. And so to ensure that all in Israel would know the love of a God who called them to rest, there was this need to reboot from time to time. There was this time to reset things. And today, several of us will go walk in the hunger hike. It's an event that raises money for those who are hungry in our community, and it is important because we are called to care about our neighbors, including those who are hungry. But even more than that, as followers of Jesus, of the God of Sabbath, we are called to be concerned with the plight of those who would rest if it were not for their circumstances, those who are weary, overworked, who are stressed about how they are going to meet ends meet. 
We are called to have our eyes turned to the injustice and inequality and exploitation of the hunger and suffering of our neighbors. And so as we think about our own Sabbath, as we celebrate the God who calls us to rest, we need to recognize also that there is often a need for a collective reboot in our own lives and also in the life of our society to make things right so that folks can celebrate the Sabbath. Let us pray. Oh, holy and gracious God, your spirit is with us. We pray that you might continue to fill us with the strength and the boldness to proclaim your love, to proclaim Sabbath to the world. May we turn our attention always to those who are left out, marginalized, hungry, living without, so that we might be able to be your presence. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.